You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Like everybody, we are all excited about getting it underway. We are excited and optimistic and feel good about all the preparation. Now we've got to go out and prove it week by week. I see a, a good defense, really good defense, you know, a great defensive line. You know, they, they had a nice little streak of wins last year, so they're going to come into the season confident, looking to make a statement. And um, nothing we take lightly. You know, we're, we're excited for this for this challenge, and I think they'll be a good first opponent. Uh, with, with Coach Cavi, he's definitely saying that, you know, we need to be at our best if we want to be able to do well against these guys. And uh, I feel like, you know, the O-line, we, we've definitely, we're taking it upon ourselves to, to get ready for this because it it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a battle and I'm happy to be able to be a part of it. And here we are. Welcome to this Arkansas State pregame edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, Nebraska Arkansas State will open up the 2017 season. It's a BTN game set for 7 o'clock and a lot of intrigue. You know, Nebraska opened up about a 19-point favorite. I think the line's down to about 15, so there's you know, a little intrigue as far as this matchup goes as Arkansas State is kind of speculated to be about an 8-9 to nine, uh, win team. But I, I think more so than ever, this is a program reset for Nebraska here in 2017. Uh, new quarterback. Uh, this offense is going to have a different feel with Tanner Lee from what Mike Riley has done here the last two years. And obviously, uh, Mike Riley parted ways with his longtime defensive coordinator, um, Mark Banker and now Bob Diaco comes in and we'll get his you know the real the the true first look at this 3-4 defense at Nebraska Robin so when you look at openers um, you know th- this is about as intriguing for a Nebraska fan as an opener in recent years. Yeah clearly first uh, one in a long time where there's been this much many question marks still remaining heading into the first game but um, you can call it a program reset but in a lot of ways this is finally Nebraska getting a chance to do what it wants to do on both sides of the ball. My Riley has made it clear that a 3-4 defense is something he's wanted to do for a long time. And now they actually have a quarterback that is fit to run the type of offense they want to run. So in a lot of different ways, I mean, yes, there's going to be newness, but from a comfort standpoint with this coaching staff, I think this is actually lining up um, to be more of the type of all-around team Mike Riley had envisioned when he first got here. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how, um, you know, Riley's kind of plan for what Nebraska football is going to be in the future starts to take shape with the first season um, of it actually fit into form. You get a good sense of that being the case just by how comfortable everyone seems to be right now. A lot of confidence, um, a lot of energy. I mean, people people are walking around like like they're feeling really really good about uh, where things currently stand heading into the season, and um, and I, I certainly think that's a good sign. Even though there are plenty of question marks, it doesn't seem like this team really has too many question marks, uh, you know, about themselves. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan. Robin Washett and Nate Klaus as we get you ready for Saturday's Nebraska-Arkansas State game as, uh, you know, for Nebraska guys, uh, relatively healthy. Um, I'll be honest, this and Mike Riley has said this, this has really been one of the more drama-free fall camps Nebraska's had in a long time. I mean, you think about last year, what they went through uh, with the Keith Williams uh, situation um, and, and some of the other injury things they, they ha- had to go through. Uh, where this year, you know, you had the Chris Jones thing before fall camp, but 
Um, it's been about as seamless of a camp, Robin, as I can remember. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. And it's especially surprising given all the, uh, I guess, transition that's going on, especially on defense. And then you add in the fact that they had a whole nother week of fall camp tacked onto this thing. And so credit this coaching staff uh, for keeping the guys focused and dialed in um, for what has been the longest fall camp personally I have ever been a, been a part of. Uh, and then a credit to the players, too, for, for having the focus and just uh, kind of, a, uh, you know, mental uh, stability to, to make it through this grind of a fall camp and, you know, not um, get sidetracked by off the field stuff or, you know, let their performance suffer because um, things may be getting a little mundane for them. This, this has been a very attentive group. And I think that's going to translate to what we see on Saturday. Well, and I think guys are handling some of the some of the hype too pretty well, especially Tanner Lee, who's seemingly every week there's there's another article coming out calling him a, a pro quarterback, you know, or a, a potential first round guy, and um, and he's been about as even keeled about all the attention as as I think you can be. And uh, to me, that's been pretty impressive just watching him handle a lot of these expectations and, and a lot of the hype. Um, that have kind of surrounded him so far, even though he hasn't taken a snap in a Husker uniform. Yeah, and I think that that, that is kind of goes to what I was saying earlier. You know, you got guys like Tanner Lee, you got guys like Chris Weber, uh, guys that just really set the tone from the top uh, as to how you handle your business day to day. And so having leaders like that internally in the locker room, I think is a big reason why this camp has gone as smoothly as it has. I don't know about you guys, but I'm as excited to see Tanner Lee in his debut start as any quarterback that's made his debut start at Nebraska. And I feel like just because of the background of Tanner Lee, the experience that he already has um, and, and what we know, I think he is about as prepared as any rookie starter Nebraska has had. Now, you can argue Sam Keller with his Arizona State background is kind of a similar deal being a transfer, but it's just rare to have a guy come in that's going to be this ready to go in his first true start as a Husker. Oh, this ready to go and with this much outside hype. I mean, this this is more than just, you know, local media and coaches, you know, saying how good a guy is going to be. I mean, you have NFL scouts, NFL personnel, national NFL media uh, talking about this guy potentially being a first round draft pick. And, you know, as Danny Langsdorf said, maybe we need to uh, slow the roll on that a little bit. But um, that doesn't come for, for no reason. Uh, I mean, Tanner Lee is the type of quarterback that could play a long long time at the next level and so you know there's there's a reason why there's been so much buzz about him um, and it's come from all different angles and now you know when he finally gets to play his first game as a Husker it's time to see if it's you know lives up to all that for me it's you know I kind of have to go back to Zach Taylor's first start uh, to kind of be as excited about a new quarterback starting as as I am to to see what Tanner Lee does but but even though Zach Taylor was, uh, you know, a Division One quarterback that went JUCO and then transferred to Nebraska, um, yeah, Tanner Lee's got ten times the kind of the expectations or, or the hype surrounding him. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and and you know interesting to see exactly how the coaches handle it too. I, I mean, there's so many. Um, I mean, I think everyone in that stadium is kind of wanting to see Tanner Lee throw it around. Are they going to just turn him loose or, or not? So uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as we get you ready uh, for Nebraska. Arkansas State on Saturday. Briefly, guys, here as we wrap it up, captains were also named here going into the opener. Tanner Lee, 
Chris Weber, Joshua Kalu, no surprises, seniors, uh, Luke McNitt, Joshua Kalu, uh, excuse me, Luke McNitt, a fullback as well, and then Gerald Foster, an offensive lineman, um, you know, a pretty um, good group of captains uh, that they kind of put together there. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's any real surprises there. Uh, maybe Gerald Foster being an underclassman, uh, getting the nod might be one of the bigger ones. But, um, you know, I like the group of captains. It's, it's a very kind of just stable group of leaders, leaders here on this team, Robin. Well, what I like is the fact that there's uh, multiple Nebraska guys. I mean, this is what, uh, the third time, uh, or I guess the, the, the number of Nebraska natives uh, – that have been appointed, you know, in leadership positions like this. And I think that makes a big difference because, um, you know, outside guys can maybe have an understanding of what Nebraska football is all about, but kids that grew up with it in the trenches of Nebraska football, they, they get it. And so um, having those guys as your tone setters, I think makes a big difference. And it was a smart call by this coaching staff to put them in those types of positions. Well, we got a full show here on tap. We're going to talk offensive storylines going into Saturday here in our next segment. We'll talk defense. Then we'll take your questions here in the mailbag as Matt Reynoldson will join us for that. And then Nate Klaus will give us a full preview of everything, uh, what to expect on the recruiting weekend here. He also had a chance to watch uh, 2018 commit Mario Goodrich in Kansas City last weekend. We'll get his thoughts on all of that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, well, like you said, he, you know, he, that's how he listed them. So that's how we see them right now. You know, that's why you're seeing all those guys getting reps with the ones right now. And they're gonna all be ready. They're gonna all be ready, and they'll all bring a little something different to the table. So it'll be it'll be fun on Saturday night. Welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. As that was running backs coach Reggie Davis uh, discussing just. Uh, the pecking order as Nebraska listed three running backs, co-number one on that opening depth chart, Trey Bryant, Divino Zigbo, Mikel Wilbon, and nobody has budged on this. I mean, you, you try to get a little bit of information, maybe who's the best pass blocker, who's the best this, who's the best that, and and they get it. They know what we're trying to do. And, Robin, it's been very unsuccessful trying to get a read from at least the coaching staff who is going to be the lead horse back here on Saturday. Well, the players, too. Uh, on Monday, I was talking to Mikhail Wilbon and asking him about that competition and you know being one of three co-number ones on the first depth chart of the season. And uh, he was not given anything. It was like pulling teeth just to get an answer out of him. So clearly within that room, um, they have made it uh, a pact not to go uh, into any detail about this situation. And um, I, I don't know. It's been the one of the kind of mainstay questions uh, about this offense all offseason long. And um, here we are going into the first game of the season, and we still have no idea what that rotation is going to look like. I guess the, the good news is the coaching staff, you know, Mike Riley, Danings, Langsdorf, said they know who the starter is going to be. So they, they have that. They're not just tell, they're just not telling anybody. So uh, as we've all said before, we all think Trey Bryant is probably going to be that guy. But honestly, I think that the workload, when all is said and done, is going to depend on how the game goes. I mean, if this is a situation where Nebraska has to throw the ball a lot um, and in some sort of a shootout, I uh, see Mikel Wilbon playing a lot, you know, Trey Bryant playing a lot. Uh, if they need to grind it out in the fourth quarter um, to basically, you know, hold on to a lead, Divino Zigbo is going to get a lot more workload. And so, I mean, it's it's impossible to know or to even guess who is going to be kind of the the, the, the workhorse here, uh, just because I do think it's going 
going to be completely situational and based, uh, you know, just down on down and distance and game situation. It's no doubt it's going to be situational, at least for the first couple of weeks, I think. Uh, and I did get Divino Zigbo to kind of at least allude to the fact that there is a competition amongst those guys. I mean, for the most part, anybody on the team, I mean, if, if you ask them about competition, they say, well, it's not a competition. Yeah. Wilbon said he was competing with himself. And yeah. That's it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the, I mean, one man race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Divine, Divine did allude to there being an actual competition, uh, which. Um, you know, I think he's the first player at regardless of position that, that mentioned that this year. But, um, you know, he's and he and he did say that they all do different things um, well. And, and the one thing that he was trying to work on to to really mold his game and become a, a complete player was pass protection. And, and Trey Bryant said the same thing. So I, I think that, um, you know, those those. It's going to be interesting to see if if they really did improve their pass protection. Those two, those I guess those guys could be two guys to to maybe emerge as uh, the leaders of that group. I will say earlier this week, Danny Langsdorf, you know, I, I asked him about Arkansas State's pass rush, and you know they're as good as any team you know Nebraska's going to face in the non-con um, as far as getting to the quarterback. And he said pass rush or pass protection will be a factor, but it won't be the end-all, be-all in who plays the majority of the downs on Saturday. Jalen Bradley also. Uh, will burn his red shirt. Um, he's listed as a kick returner uh, behind, obviously, the number one guy, J.D. Spielman. But um, he'll play on a lot of special teams. He'll even run down and cover kicks, um, you know, and punts. He, I mean, they, they think he can get down and make tackles. So uh, they have a plan in place uh, to play J.D. Spielman. And, you know, another one of those guys, obviously, is uh, Ty John Lindsay. They're going to burn his red shirt. Uh, I believe those are the only two on offense. Am I wrong there? Yeah, as far as true freshman. Uh, Tristan Jebbia, we you know we're talking red shirts here. Uh, the plan remains at quarterback to keep the red shirt on him, kind of similar to last year with Patrick O'Brien. You know, by the end of the year, they would have liked to probably have Patrick O'Brien in there against Iowa and Tennessee in some of these games, but you know, got to be too late in the season. Uh, so Tristan Jebbia will red shirt. O'Brien will be the number two. Uh, obviously, Lee is is going to hold down the number one, but they feel very good about that quarterback situation. Brandon Hymas was another guy that uh, a lot of discussion went into. I know Nate, you were in the conversation with Mike Cavanaugh. They think this left tackle is is going to be you know a future star in this program. Yeah, they think he's going to be a very special player and. Uh, uh, just how far he's come so far during fall camp has has really turned a lot of heads, and and it's not just because he's super, you know far superior athletically. It's it's just how quickly he's been able to learn things um, and then apply it to the football field. You know, Coach Kavanaugh said he he can tell Brandon you know, one thing in a meeting or on the football field. And then the next time he does it, he, he does it exactly the way coach Kavanaugh wanted him to do it. So, uh, and even Nick Gates said that, Hey, this is going to be a draft pick in four or five years from now. So, uh, I, I think that, you know, they, they could definitely probably play him this year. Uh, ideally you would keep the red shirt on him, uh, uh you know, and, and maybe, Maybe then you would have a, a, an option next year to, to play him at left or right tackle and, and have Gates at the other tackle. But uh, there's no question Brendan Hymas is going to be a mainstay on that line for a, a lot of years to come. Hey, and another unique thing about that depth chart was the fact that Nebraska listed two tight ends, um, two separate tight end positions with uh, – 
um, Connor Ketter uh, as one of them and Tyler Hoppus at the other. And Sean, I wanted to get your take on kind of, do you, do you think that that is more of a signal that Nebraska is going to be utilizing far more two tight end sets or what, what was the deal with that move? I think they want to be heavier uh, with two tight ends and a fullback. I think you're going to see um, a lot of what they call, you know, 11 and or 12 and 22 personnel with the two tight ends, the fullback, etc. cetera um, in the game uh, because Luke McNitt is a very exceptional blocker. Connor Ketter is a great blocker and Hoppus is going to be a weapon as the other tight end. And uh, we called it Robin a couple. I know when we were kind of going through depth charts, we, we liked the camp that Connor Ketter had and not only did the coaches like it, they decided to give him his own spot on the depth chart. And I think that's a testament to a fifth year senior from Norfolk Catholic and Nate. I think it's ironic there's two Norfolk Catholic tight ends on the roster. One's a walk-on, one's a scholarship guy. And I don't think anybody could have called it maybe a year ago at this time uh, that Ketter would be the guy listed number one in Engelhop. You know, he's going to be a player down the road, but is not even listed on the depth chart. Yeah, that that's definitely surprising. I I know I would I would never have guessed that would be the case. Um, you know, especially because I feel like Ketter had in the past always kind of been dealing with maybe an injury or two or 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 always kind of been buried on the depth chart for whatever reason and then just uh his emergence this fall uh is like he says is a testament to uh to a fifth year senior putting in uh, a lot of work yeah connor had a back injury missed all spring and pretty much all of summer workouts and so he came into the fall uh needed to play a lot of catch-up i mean granny's the veteran presence in that tight end room but um he had some work to do especially with the springs that some of those fresh redshirt freshmen had so credit to him for um, putting together one of the better fall camps on that offense you're listening here to the husker online show briefly as we wrap it up i want to talk about jd spielman too i think he is somebody that most Husker fans, if you're just a casual fan that maybe listens to a little radio or reads the paper, you, you don't know a lot about J.D.'s film. But I feel like after Saturday, maybe after Oregon, he will be on the radar of most Husker fans because he is a electric playmaker in space, just a redshirt freshman. And I think Mike Riley has big plans for this guy, Robin. He is exactly the type of player everyone thought DeMornay Pearsonell was going to be uh, when Mike Riley first took over. And uh, he can run it. He can The Jacquez Rogers, yes. James Rogers. Yes, he fits that mold to a T. Uh, and he almost played last year. I mean, Mike Riley really had to hold himself back not to play J.D. Spielman right away as a true freshman. And I think that was the right move. Um, that year that he had to just kind of learn the offense, adjust the college game, um, add a little bit more muscle has paid off huge dividends to where he's the number one slot receiver, the number one kick returner, and is going to be a big factor in this offense, especially when you look at the rest of the receiver depth. I mean, he's going to play a lot, um, you know, with his number one competition, Keon Williams. We don't know when he's actually going to be available to play again with that hamstring injury. So that job is his, and he's going to be a mainstay in that offensive rotation. Well, they need him to play a lot and have a really big year because I think uh, guys like Stanley Morgan and DeMornay Pearsonell, obviously, you know, teams know about those two guys, but they don't necessarily know a lot about JD. And and I think he's got a real opportunity to to turn some heads. And, and given the depth there at that position, uh, they need him to have a big year this year. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk defense. Nebraska handed out 16 black shirts. Was that too many? We'll discuss that and more next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You can't grow up, I, I don't think, as a defender um, in this country as a football player and not know about the black shirt defense and the ideologies and habits of defending that that brings. And uh, it's the beginning of a process. and It's the beginning of a responsibility and accountability to work 
habits, leadership, strain, pain. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive coordinator Bob Diaco explaining what it means to be a black shirt as he handed out 16 of them. And guys, I like the fact that Bob Diaco didn't try to, you know what, we're going to alter a little bit of this and do maybe this a little bit differently or that a little differently. The point of the black shirts when they were handed out in the early 60s was to identify the starting defense at Nebraska in practice. That is what a black shirt how it was identified. Bob Diaco handed out those black shirts when the depth chart uh, was you know, released on Monday. 16 of them, four on the D-line, six linebackers, six defensive backs, and it was teed up for Mr. Hot Take uh, to go off <laughs> and complain that, oh, there's too many black shirts handed out. But I, I think we've discussed this off air. You can make a really good argument that 16 is the right number. And, and obviously the coaches gave it a lot of thought. I have no problem, obviously, Khalil Davis getting one. He's not listed number one, but we know he's basically a co-starter. He's going to play a ton. Muhammad Barry, Luke Gifford, same thing. They're kind of co-starters. They're going to play a lot of snaps here this season. And then in the in the defensive backfield, they have six guys that got them. When they go dime, there's going to be six guys on the field. So I think when you got down to Antonio Reed um, as maybe that sixth defensive back, it's because he's going to be a part of Nebraska's starting dime package. Yeah, and here's the deal. I mean, the idea there are just 11 defensive starters is so outdated. The starting lineup uh, for this defense is going to look so different against Oregon than what it's going to look like against Wisconsin. I mean, it's just a matchup personnel deal. And so, yes, you're going to need more defensive backs as starters. And so, I mean, that in itself gives you, uh, you know, the reasoning for, for why there were so many. And I don't think it was that many because the, the non-starters that did get them we're all well-deserving. Luke Gifford is going to play a ton, even though he's not going to start. Muhammad Berry is going to play a ton, even though he's not going to start. There are two co-starters listed between Eric Lee and DiCaprio Boodle. So both of them obviously needed to get one. And then, you know, Antonio Reed, like you said, is probably going to be the starting dime. And so each one of those guys that, um, you know, people were complaining about the fact that there were more than 11. Uh, I mean, you need to just get out of the 90s. Yeah, this, get, this is matching personnel now. In the, rea- the reality is your starting lineup is going to look different week in, week out, depending on the team that you're going to play and so I had no problem with it I think every one of those players that got one was more than deserving and will be huge it's an am, it's an amateur hot take I it mean, really I, is I mean, it's, it's tired is, is my, what I think well and, and the the other thing is is that you can't make an argument that a guy like Muhammad Barry is much is farther off of of a guy like Chris Weber or you know that there's a huge drop off between some of these uh, quote unquote backups receiving uh, you know bl- their black shirts a- as opposed to the starters. I-, I think all these guys are tremendous players. In the days of just eleven guys being the main contributors on defense, if there ever was a day like that, I mean those those days are long gone. So I've got no problem with the sixteen guys that landed those black shirts. You're listening. You're listening. them. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus as we talk defensive storylines and. Let's stick on that subject of linebacker. When you look at it, six black shirt guys total, uh, but then you go down to even an Avery Roberts, a Tyron Ferguson, a Colin Miller, a Cedric King. Guys, I don't know if the linebacker depth has been this strong in several years at Nebraska. It's loaded. And it's not only loaded, it's loaded with young talent. Um, Yeah, you're going to lose a guy like Chris Weber next year, but you replace him with a guy who's already a black shirt, uh, despite being a backup in Muhammad Berry or A.B. Roberts. So, I mean, there's there's all sorts of guys that you can turn to that are going to be factors down the road. And at every single position, the one question mark right now is the 
Cat. cat. Yes, the cat linebacker with Alex Davis and then uh, Cedric King. I mean, that, that was one of the big question marks about this transition to the 3-4 was how that position was going to come along. And while we've heard good things, um, we have yet to see it truly tested. I mean, even in the spring game, they didn't even use it. He was a down lineman. So um, I'm interested to see how that position evolves because really um, that's the quote-unquote weak link right now in that front seven is, you know, how that position is going to adjust to playing in coverage and not just, to, you know, hand in the dirt defensive end. Yeah, I think for the most part you can make a case that there's that they're too deep, a really good too deep across the board at, at, at or at linebacker um, and maybe even three deep except for that cat linebacker spot. Um, and and we really don't know what, what we're getting. Yeah, Alex of, Davis could be really good. Yeah, we just don't know. Yeah, and, uh, and he's – I mean, he's an intriguing player because – I mean, he played one year of, of football in high school and then came to Nebraska as a defensive end and then, you know, is now transitioning to being an outside linebacker. And um, so, I mean, that's that's going to be, you know, one thing to, to really keep an eye on this year. And that is recruiting wise. I mean, that is arguably the the most important spot in this recruiting class as far as on the defensive side of the football is finding the prototypical cat outside linebacker and, and creating more depth there at that position. As we kind of zone in now, as we talk uh, Arkansas State defensive storylines, I think Nebraska is going to have a huge edge, guys, in this game up front. Arkansas State is going to be breaking in a lot of brand new offensive linemen uh, I think Mick Stoltenberg has an opportunity just to feast right now in this game in the middle. I can tell you from multiple reports in camp that uh, really Tanner Farmer is the only guy on this team right now that can handle Stoltenberg one-on-one -on -one in a practice situation. He has been unblockable. Um, he commands double teams. And if he can do that here and disrupt the middle, it is just going to make everything look that much better here in this defense and Bob Diaco's debut. We've seen it all offseason. I mean, there's been plays where he's completely blown up plays, like a running play, where the running back doesn't even have time to get the handoff because he is blowing through the middle of the offensive line so much. And so uh, he's he, his ceiling is as high as anyone on that defensive line as far as I'm concerned. And there were questions about how he would fit that nose tackle mold because of his height at 6'5", but he plays with great leverage. He's as strong as anybody on the team. And like you said, Sean, there's not very many offensive linemen out there that can match him physically, particularly, um, you know, an Arkansas State team that is pretty green on the offensive front. Well, yeah, you, you always want to have experience up front. And Arkansas State's bringing a line in here that has a career of two starts uh, amongst all of them, which I think is, is the lowest amount of returning starts uh, in all of college football. So uh, generally when you're on the road at a place like Nebraska uh, and you're that green up front, I mean, that's, that's not a good sign, especially when you're facing a guy like Mick Stoltenberg right up the middle, um, you know, and, and what I feel is a pretty talented Nebraska defensive front. Well, and you have to like this guys, uh, Carlos Davis, Khalil Davis, they're just sophomores. It feels like these guys have been yeah, here though exactly. a lot longer longer than that because they redshirted and and you know that was hard to redshirt those guys but they did Mick Stoltenberg freedom juniors you know you think about freedom because he started as a redshirt freshman at defensive end uh more or less I believe once the injury to Gangwish happened in the BYU game um it feels like freedom's been on the field forever and he still has two more years left so you have to like the makeup of this group that your top four guys 
are going to be here for this year and 2018, the Davis twins, possibly through 2019. And then you bring in DeAndre Thomas, Damian Daniels, and and some other guys. And, you know, that's another guy as we kind of wrap up this defensive discussion. DeAndre Thomas is going to be very fun to watch and kind of see what they utilize him uh, in this game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that front line, but you take it a step further at the backups. I mean, two true freshmen uh, on your as your co-number twos behind Mick Stoltenberg at nose tackle. You got Ben Stilley, a redshirt freshman, behind uh, Freedom and Khalil Davis. Um, you know, on the other side, you know, you got Peyton Newell, only a junior, Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Neal, only a sophomore. Uh, so, I mean, the youth coming up on this defensive front uh, is really exciting, especially with the reports of how good they've been just in the matter of an offseason adjusting to this new defense. And so uh, I think that, that it's a very, very uh, exciting and high potential unit for this defense. Well, the Huskers in Arkansas State, it's 7 o'clock on the Big Ten Network Saturday. When we come back here, uh, we're going to take your questions in our mailbag. We're going to bring in Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson as we've got plenty of questions this week as we get ready for Nebraska and Arkansas State. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Perennially, they're, they're pretty pretty strong in the Sun Belt. You know, they're, they're conference champions I think last couple of years or something like that. But no, they, they're pretty dynamic on offense. Their quarterback is really talented. Offensive line is, is rebuilt, but we've heard good things about them. So it's definitely not something we're going to overlook. You know, we're preparing hard for them because I know that they're a dynamic offense and, and that's kind of what they set themselves on. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, and we bring in Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson, as you just heard from Mick Stoltenberg. As we're getting you ready for Nebraska, Arkansas State, it's a 2017 season opener, 7 o'clock on the Big Ten Network, and uh, we're going to take your questions now in the mailbag. A lot of questions like normal, Matt. It's good to have you back in studio. Uh, What do you got for us this week? Well, starting off with a good mailbag uh, this week, what is the storyline about this team that no one's talking about? Uh, God, that, that is a great question. I don't know I mean, if there are any. I mean, <laughs> camp was so long, we've talked about everything. <laughs> I mean, with 50 media members, yeah, everything's covered. But I, I just still think Nebraska's schedule, like, it doesn't get enough credit for the home games in the West. Like, people are taking it for granted that Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Iowa all play in Lincoln. And I think that's a huge edge Nebraska has if you're going to make a case for Nebraska to win the West. Uh, I believe the schedule with home games this year, all in Lincoln, that will decide the division is a huge angle that doesn't really get factored in when I hear people talking about the Big Ten West. Here's one. The guy that's maybe the most productive and accomplished player on the entire roster, I don't think he's, he's done a handful of interviews, Drew Brown. Uh, that guy may determine the outcomes of several games this season, especially in the back end of that schedule during the Big Ten meat grinder. And so uh, it's a pretty good luxury to have that, a guy like that you can just take for granted as you know one of the best kickers in the Big Ten and maybe in college football who is just kind of a, oh yeah, we forgot about him. Yeah, I'd have to say maybe just how cohesive this this team really seems to be. I mean, it, it generally feels like all these guys get along with one another. You know, Tanner Lee's even mentioned that when he got here, there were a few clicks on the team, and there are no clicks anymore. And and uh, it seems like the locker room uh, presence and, and overall feel is is uh, you know much better, which I think it leads to a. Uh, you know, things that are going to be pretty productive this fall. Well, Sean, I'll piggyback off your answer and uh, go to our next question. Nebraska will win the West if? If they beat Wisconsin and Lincoln. I think that is real. I mean, I don't envis- I don't see a scenario right now when you look at Nebraska's schedule versus Wisconsin's schedule 
where the Huskers win the West without a Wisconsin win. Um, I think Nebraska's road to doing it is a 7-2 and two Big Ten Conference record with a tiebreaker over Wisconsin uh, because the Badgers really only have two games that I see them dropping, Nebraska and Michigan. I think their other seven games, including Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, I believe they will win. They will win. Yeah, I think that's going to be the game that determines quite a bit of what this season will be. But I'll expand that a little further and add in those home games against Northwestern and Iowa. I mean, those are must-win games for Nebraska to remain in contention through the month of November. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of people are picking Northwestern to be a dark horse in the West, and so that game might be, and when all said and done, you know. Almost as important as Wisconsin. That is like every year, by the way. I know, but I mean, this year, this year more than ever. I, they, think. I mean, they lost that. I know, but it's, it's funny. I mean, they lost Anthony Walker. I always thought was like their best. Yeah, he's and, one of the best linebackers in the country. And they lost their top receiver, who's now on the Patriots. Um, so it, it's interesting. All this. I mean, Clayton Thorson to me, I, I've never looked at this guy Nate as as a difference making no. quarterback. I never have either. And, and honestly, I think Northwestern might be the most overrated team in the Big Ten. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think for me, uh, what Nebraska, if they win the West, it's going to come down to the improved quarterback play, the efficiency from that position. I, I think you look at the, the last two years of Wisconsin games, um, and, and how close Nebraska was to actually beating the Badgers, but they really didn't get that much efficiency out of that quarterback position. If they can get that this year, uh, I, I think that they will contend for the West. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag. Well, before we get to October and November and that Big Ten grind, we forget that we have football in two days and Arkansas State coming to Lincoln. So what scares you most about the Arkansas State offense and defense? Well, their quarterback, Justice Hansen, you know, is Oklahoma transfer. He's 8-2 and two as a starter. Um, you know, if Oklahoma took him out of high school, he had something to him. And he's proven it with his record last year at ASU and uh, this is kind of one of those teams that always, you know, wins five games or always is right there, you know, wins eight or nine games every year. And, you know, a couple of years ago, they came in here with Gus Malzahn. Uh, Bo Pelini left the game in an ambulance, if you remember that game. And uh, John Papuchas took Man. took the car home and they ended up pulling it out late. But that was a tight game. And um, they are a team that has a lot of transfers, a lot of kickbacks. Uh, D. Milner, one of them from Alabama. D. Liner. D. Liner, excuse me, um, from Alabama. And, and, you know, he's a guy that was, Nate, what was he ranked as a recruit? Uh, he was a high four star. You know, they have guys like that, guys that transfer in there, and that, that has you that has to have your attention here going in this game. Yeah, one of their top safeties is a guy who was uh, started his career at Clemson and had to go the JUCO route and is resurging his career at Arkansas State. So yeah, uh, don't underestimate the talent that Arkansas State has. I mean, they've won what the last six straight or five of the last six Sun Belt Conference titles. You know, they won eight of their last nine games last season and so this is a team that isn't afraid of any challenge i mean they year in year out will go into a big name stadium and play whoever and keep in mind after uh playing nebraska they host miami for a home game and so they're not afraid to play anybody and this is a team that will not be intimidated uh by whatever atmosphere they see in memorial stadium yeah all their skill position players at the bare minimum are three-star type of recruits coming out of high school and a lot of them are those four-star 
star, you know, bounce backs or or JUCO guys that they ended up getting um, out of the out of the junior college ranks. So I think offensively, I mean, they do have some firepower. They've got some guys that can make some plays in the open field. Uh, and then offensively for Nebraska, I think it's that defensive line. They're, I think their defensive end, if he has 13 and a half sacks this year, I think he becomes the all-time yeah, leader. Pass Terrell Suggs yeah. in career sacks. Well, that talent conversation comes into play certainly for Arkansas State, but it also comes into play when you're talking about the future of Nebraska football. So t- turning our attention to recruiting, will that 2018 class have the best wide receiver and DB class you've seen at Nebraska? The potential is definitely there. I, I mean, right now, offensively at the wide receiver position, Cameron Brown, although he's ranked a three-star, I think it very well could be you know a high four-star. He's got legitimate track speed. Um, this is a guy who is going to be able to, to really stretch the football field once he gets to Nebraska. Joshua Moore, the other wideout commit right now, is arguably one of the top overall athletes in the country. Um, you know, could play on either side of the football, but uh, I think he's going to have a special season as a senior. Um, you know, and then the the prospects that are out there to fill those final two wide receiver spots are all very very special players there's over a dozen guys that, that are you know in the mix that I could very well see ending up at Nebraska and then defensively you know they've already got three cornerbacks signed or not signed but committed um, and then there's again there's probably a dozen guys that are all you know highly touted four star five star type of players that um, that are in the mix uh, this very well could be the best overall collection of skill position guys that that I've seen signed at Nebraska all right we got time for about one more question so we'll go a little more lighthearted here what was your favorite and least favorite trip taken for work favorite um gosh we've had a lot of them Rob yeah, I mean there's been some good ones um we downplay it to our wives but we, 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 <laughs> we <laughs> I would say one of my favorite trips was going to Las Vegas to watch a Manny Pacquiao fight uh, sign a rivals contract out there with John Tallman and Eric Winter uh, that was a pretty fun weekend. One of my least favorite trips, Robin, might have been Fresno. Yeah, that was weird. You're in the middle of nowhere, California. Uh, it was just kind of a, just a weird town. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was definitely one of the more unusual trips. Um, here's kind of a random one. Laramie, Wyoming. And just because it was the most unique road trip I've ever been to because they shut down their downtown Laramie like for several blocks and it was just basically a street party. And you got a bunch of Nebraska guys that drove into like campers with like 16 dudes and everybody was just like crushing beers like they were back in Lincoln, forgetting that you're a mile up in the air plus. And so uh, the uh, Bud Light, Miller Light, Bush Lights had uh, far more of an impact on some people than I think they were expecting. Altitude. <laughs> now, my favorite trips, you know, on the recruiting side of things, uh, generally, I think over the last couple of years, the the California trips that we've taken, especially out to Calabasas, uh, have been a lot of fun. Being able to uh, to tailgate with Keyshawn Senior beforehand, uh, those are probably the most, uh, you know, probably the best tailgates that I've ever been to. And I don't get to tailgate very often, uh, you know, since we work on Saturdays usually. But uh, for a high school game, those are those have been pretty fun tailgates. Lobster and filet mignon. Lobster, right? filet <laughs> no mignon. No joke. No joke. Yeah, no joke. Uh, yeah, that was like the 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 best food I've ever had at a tailgate, uh, hands down. And then the worst. You know, I mean, 
pick, take your pick, any any type of uh, driving trip, uh, whether it's with Greg Peterson or with, yeah, for... with GP in the car, uh, me, GP and I uh, in the in the car for seven or eight hours at a time. Uh, you could yeah take your pick for any one of those. I'll say Madison is probably my favorite Big Ten trip within yeah, the Big Ten. It's up there, and I forgot to mention my worst: Waco, Texas, going to Baylor. There was not a stranger place I've ever been to than Waco, Texas, in, in several areas. All right, that wraps it up here for this week's edition of The Mailbag. When we come back, we'll close the show with some talk on recruiting. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment here of this opening 2017 edition as Nebraska gets ready for Arkansas State. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we will talk some recruiting. As, you know, Nate, it's a night game, home opener. Traditionally, you know, if you look over the last 10 to 12 years, home openers at night have always been kind in Nebraska as far as recruiting visitors. We're not going to see the 2015 seven recruiting lists or five recruiting lists when Nebraska might host 10 on opening weekend, but it's still going to be a fairly quality recruiting weekend. Yeah. Or even last year when there was like 13, four and five star guys on campus, um, there, there was a year or two under Pelini where they didn't have anybody come in and, uh, that caused quite the, quite the ruckus, but, uh, <laughs> still, yeah, it's still two quality guys going to be a lot of unofficial visitors as well. You know, start with the, the two official visitors, at least at this point in time, there's, there's always a chance. Of a, of a late edition or two, but I think you've got to start with Isaiah Crocker, who's a, a, a Rivals 100 prospect, a wide receiver out of uh, Sacramento, California, the number one wideout in Northern California, uh, 6'2", 180-pound kid, uh, extremely fast, and, uh, you know, and this is uh, he's had Nebraska in his top five for quite a while, and, and he's taken his first trip uh, to Lincoln this weekend and has an outstanding relationship with with Keith Williams, as all those wide receiver recruits seem to do. But, um, you know, he, he flat out told us there's a chance that he could commit this weekend, even though he's he's got a top five that consists of Oregon, Oregon State, uh, UCLA, and Alabama. And, and the, the really telling thing about that is that, uh, you know, he's coming up with his grandmother this weekend, but he's, he's planning on making a return trip later on in the season with his father uh, and with his high school football coach. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting storylines. And if he were to commit, Nate, that would feel uh, that would fill spot three of four in this wide receiver cl- class, correct? Yeah, that would that would fill the the third spot out of at least four that they want to take uh, in this year's class. And um, you know, and he'd be a tremendous addition uh, to that wide receiving group, and and would really leave w- with for sure one spot left, and and maybe you know, there's there's a potential of them taking a fifth if there's a player that they just can't say no to or if there's a situation where it looks like um, like a Keyshawn Johnson Jr. would not return to the team uh, in January which I fully expect him to do that but uh, just kind of throwing out some some different scenarios there but um, yeah things are looking very good with Crocker at this point in time Uh, the other official visitor that we've been able to confirm so far 
It is a Shari Crosswell, who is a a Rivals 250 prospect out of Long Beach Poly High School, just barely outside of the top 100. Uh, He's a 6'2", 185-pound safety, was at uh, L.A. Hawkins High School last year, a teammate of Joseph Lewis and Greg Johnson, um, has transferred to Long Beach Poly, and arguably one of the top safety prospects in the state of California. Um, And and Nebraska is looking to take at least one and probably two safeties to kind of round out this uh this defensive backs class and and crosswell would definitely be you know a huge addition uh in that respect uh, has a great relationship with dante williams uh, and also keith williams you know and and i think the good thing for nebraska in this deal is that his former coaches at hawkins high school are still somewhat involved in the recruiting process uh, and those guys uh, malik james milvon james they have a great relationship with uh, with Dante and Keith Williams too, so um, I, I think that's definitely uh, something that's helping Nebraska out here. And, and I think it's Nebraska and USC at this point in time. He has probably forty different offers, but I get the feeling that it's the Huskers and the Trojans that are right there at the top. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting storylines with Nate Klaus here going into opening weekend. And Nate, you were down in Kansas City. This past Friday night, you got a chance to see four-star uh, commit Mario Goodrich. He's the number one player in Kansas City on both sides of the Kansas and Missouri uh, borders, uh, according to our rankings. Uh, what were your thoughts seeing Goodrich in person? Well, I was very impressed. I mean, just physically off the hoof, I mean, he's 6'2", 185, 190-pound prospect, uh, tremendous athlete. I mean, this he, he started as a wide receiver. Uh, he played some running back. Uh, he played. He started as a cornerback, and then he was their return guy, punt return, kickoff return guy. I mean, he didn't really come off the field whole, uh, too many times, but he did that night. He did deal with some cramping, which which did keep him off the field uh, when he when he did come off. So, uh, but he's a guy that is uh, tremendously explosive, has has tremendous size and length as far as. Uh, a defensive back goes, and I think there's you know it's easy to see why Dante Williams wants him to be a cornerback at Nebraska. Uh, they like bigger, longer corners. That's exactly what Mario is, um, and and also watch out for him. You know, once he gets to Nebraska, uh, as far as being a potential return guy goes, uh, he had a couple returns that night where he was he was just one guy you know uh, away from ripping off some a fantastic return. Uh, he's got some juice when he's got the ball in his hands and, um, you know, just a, a tremendous athlete. You know, the frustrating part is when you've got a guy that talented, a lot of times the the other team is going to do whatever they can to avoid that player. So um, he didn't – that night that we watched him, he didn't put up, you know, too many eye-popping stats. But uh, but the fact of the matter is he basically took away one side of the field when he was on defense. Nate, as we kind of wrap up the discussion here on recruiting, opening game of 2017 for Nebraska as we look at this season as a whole, we get asked this question a lot as far as win-loss record. What really needs to happen this year, in your opinion, for Nebraska to finish off a successful recruiting class? Is it as simple as win-losses, or is there a lot more to it when you look at the big picture? Well, to me, there's a lot more to it. I, I think typically 
uh, a set number as far as wins and losses isn't really something that factors into a whole lot of recruits. Yeah, because Pelini had a lot of nine, ten win seasons, but it, it just didn't have the impact because of the big game losses. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I think Nebraska would would be able to maintain or even accelerate recruiting momentum with a seven or eight win season uh, as long as they showed promise and were right there in a, in a bunch of games, um, you know, and showed growth on both sides of the football, uh, you know, offensively actually showing recruits exactly what it is that they want to run because they haven't been really been able to do that to a T uh, through Riley's first couple of years at Nebraska. Uh, and obviously kids want to see what the defense is going to look like and, and how they might fit into that once they got on campus. But uh, to me, it is, it's showing growth and showing promise on both sides of the football um, and, and showing those, those kids exactly how they'd be able to factor into uh, to, you know, their respective positions. I, I think that's the biggest thing is you have to be very competitive and you have to you have to prove to these kids that, hey, we're not very far away from being able to compete for everything we want to compete for, whether, you know, and that starts with a West Division title uh, and then a Big Ten title. And then obviously the the main goal is to eventually get in the college football playoffs. So uh, if they can do that, if they can be real close uh, or if they can win the West this this fall, that would be huge for recruiting. Yeah, it's just about really strengthening that overall brand that has kind of hovered in that same area really uh, over the last 15 years or so well that wraps it up here uh, for another edition of the Husker online show Nebraska Arkansas State Saturday night here at seven o'clock as the Huskers look to open this 2017 season thanks again for joining us this week on Husker online your authority on Nebraska athletics